Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a special new simulcast podcast called Courageously Broken here on the Neil Haley Network and syndicated on the Neil Haley Show. And I'm excited to welcome the program author of Courageously Broken, Donna Michaels. And Donna Michaels is erasing the stigma of PTSD. Donna, I appreciate it. And I know you're excited about our guests today. I am. I'm very excited. Thank you. Absolutely. Donna and I connected on Clubhouse. And I don't know if these guys have gone to Clubhouse. It's one of the greatest places to connect with so many different people and also the veteran community. I heard about her story and said she had to be on the network. So our guests today are Justin Roberts and Hank Barb, and they are going to talk about this new veteran-focused Echo Bravo Productions, Do Good. Guys, thanks for stopping by. How are you? Great. Thanks. Yeah. Good. All right. Good. All right. So, and how are you guys surviving the pandemic? What is it like in Louisiana right now? Uh, it's, I think it's like it is uh, everywhere else, except that we are still recovering from the disasters, uh, Hurricane Laura and Delta. And uh, and then also that freeze that happened. Uh, so we had three disasters in six months. So we're, we're hanging in there. Okay. Well, hopefully the end of 2021 will be better than the time period since the pandemic. That's what we and said in 2020. Huh? <laughs> now we know we said that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, but we, I don't know if it has been a good 2021. We have to kind of assess that in certain ways. All right, yeah. Donna. Donna now has some questions for the guys. So go ahead and start. Hey guys, it's a pleasure to meet you. Um, you know, us veteran people, we're like family, even though we've never met. So um, it's my honor. I've heard amazing things about you guys. So, and thank you for um, allowing us to interview you. So my first question is for Hank. How did you get involved in uh, Do Good? Well, uh, I met Justin in 2017, Yeah, right? In 2017. And uh, we, uh, we, we, got along really well and, and we started talking he he shot a music video for us and then we figured out that we kind of struggled with some of the same things so we started calling each other every morning at 8 39 o'clock and we just had like the battle buddy system thing going on and uh after a while we just got to know each other really well and you know we he was a chaplain and i was a medic and so we kind of we're used to in our professional careers being the helpers and going and either spiritual guidance or medical assistance, you know, and I always say it's better if the chaplain is calling for the medic than if the medic's <laughs> calling for the chaplain. Right. Uh, Amen. Amen. That's, yeah. that's perfect. Well, my next question was going to be for Justin, the same thing. How did you get involved? But Hank, I think you, you kind of just answered that. So I guess what yeah. I should follow it up with is how exactly did the two of you come together? I mean, where did you meet? Can you tell that story? Yeah, yeah, that was actually during the Veteran Inaugural Ball uh, in 2016, the Veteran uh, Presidential Inaugural Ball. Gotcha, okay. so I was doing the invocation, and he was doing the music. So we started talking, and he told me his backstory about just his journey 
to finding music and finding hope with it and being able to push forward. And I was like, man, I'll, I just want to shoot music videos for you till you're famous. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. He told me, he said that he, that my introduction was, I wrote a movie or I directed a movie called no greater love, won a bunch of awards and I'm giving all the money to veterans. And oh, so, I wow. said, so I said, well, I wrote a song called lessons learned and that's why I'm here. So I'll give it away too. And he called <laughs> and he called me on it. And so now we've had this kind of professional relationship since then. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. awesome. Basically, so basically you guys network together and that networking led to Duga mm -hmm. and the, and the production company. Yeah. So, so it's like, it's, it's connecting together that turned into a friendship. Both of us approach art differently though. I'm on the film side, he's on the music side. And so we started talking about, well, how can we use our different talents to start making an impact and a difference? So I drove down with my family to San Antonio and we started just brainstorming what we wanted to do. Uh, we came up with the idea for Do Good that we would tell the stories of people making an impact in, in different places and then donate that money to those charities uh, because a lot of people have been financially impacted by COVID. They don't have the money to donate. So they okay. hear about all this awful stuff. They would like to make a difference, but they don't, they don't have the ability. So what we're doing is we're allowing that audience just by watching and sharing to still make an impact. We'll donate the monetization of views okay. to those charities. So people just watch and then they're able to donate and make a difference. And we've got a good partnership with the United Way of Southwest Louisiana, who's going to mm -hmm. handle all that financial stuff yeah. uh, so that me and Chappie don't have to worry about. I failed every math class I ever yeah. took. <laughs> <laughs> care me yeah, too. So, so the, the, the way it formed together was it went from a friendship and us trying to figure out how we could make a difference during these tough times. And then that's when we heard that Hurricane Laura was headed to my hometown here in Lake Charles. Mm -hmm. So it was like the next day we heard that was coming. So uh, I called him and I said, Hey, we need to start this now. Yeah. We were supposed to start it in March. Like now this we were month. supposed to start filming <laughs> it right now, mm -hmm. but, yeah. but uh, the, the storm had different plans. Yeah. Wow. It's it's funny how things like that can take take you from zero to sixty. You think you got this great plan and then all of a sudden, you know, somebody somebody lights the fuse and, and you're like a well, rocket yeah. taking you off. Know, you always say in the military that the, the the best plans never survive initial contact. Yeah. It's true. That's why you always have plan B and C and yeah. <laughs> that's awesome, guys. Um mm -hmm. and I think Correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm 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 going completely off script here. But Neil knows me; I do that. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong. When you talked about the battle buddy calls and, and everything, do you find it to be very uh, cathartic, paying it forward and doing good things for other people? You get ten times more back than than you do giving. I think so. Like yeah, like the uh, nobody gets home on their own fully. I mean, no nobody processes things on their own fully. You need 100%. people for that. And so it's uh, just having those conversations. I could tell Hank anything. I know he's going to get where I'm coming from. And, you know, he had similar experiences. He had some even more experiences. And he knows what it's like to go through all those struggles of PTSD and whenever you come home. And so uh, that has helped me tremendously. And I'm being sure. able to focus on and actually reconnect with my purpose of making a difference. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, I'm lost without that. I, I was a chaplain, you know, right. I, I need to be plugged into right. doing good. And but so, I think, go ahead. 
I, I think I think that's the thing about veterans, though. It's that call to duty. It's that call to for the greater good. And when we find, you know, when we get out of the military and and we can't find our next chapter or our next, uh, you know, opportunity to give pay it forward, or you know what I'm talking about. We're all on the same page. Um, it, it, it's such a, a for me. Um, it's liberating. It's like finally I have a new mission, a new purpose, a new opportunity for the greater good. And when you get to connect with other veterans who are of the same mindset, it just makes it work all the much better. So that's kind of what I was thinking you guys had managed to pull off because what you guys are doing is, is incredible. Um, my next question is for Hank. What were the challenges to filming the documentary? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, part of the challenge was that, you know, we had planned to start it in March, like we said, uh, and then the storm happened. And so the storm happened. We had no chance to really plan, do a real plan and do, and like, uh, our, our corporate sponsor, CoreLogic, they're awesome. Uh, we started filming and shooting just in good faith that that was going to happen. And it did, uh, but uh, I think the biggest challenge was it was kind of like guerrilla filmmaking, right? Shooting in a war zone. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. So that's, except that's, more that's, buildings that's, were not that down. different for you? Justin, you ever shot that kind of a crazy thing before? This would be, especially being the director. Yeah. I, uh, with uh, my first documentary, No Greater Love, I was filming uh, numerous missions and operations and uh, right? yeah, Kunar province, Afghanistan. And so we had 200 Purple Hearts and an 800 man unit and 18 killed in action uh two of the largest battles in the afghan war took place while we were filming as well uh in the top 10 you know so it, it's used to getting shot at but what was different kind of like hank was saying is that the devastation was here that was here was so similar yeah oh, yeah i i right. i've been on the, in baghdad walking you know, like the baghdad after we bombed them and uh cameron was a hundred times worse uh downtown lake charles I've never seen brick buildings just fall down. Oh my gosh. From the wind. Apart. And they did. Uh, it was uh, incredible to see. 95% of homes were impacted. Um, I think only like 20% of businesses uh, were functional after the storm. And uh, we were without electricity for like three three weeks, right? Three weeks yeah. without water for like two weeks. It prepped me for that freeze in Texas. Um, yeah. Let me tell you. And so it's like the, uh, it's, it's, and the thing is, is that the tragedy of, well, I mean, aside from the tragedy of the tragedy was it also only made the news for like a day or two. Mm -hmm. And then because of the contentious election, everybody just moved on. And so that also shot us to get resources, support, reaching out to communities, all these needed things that whenever a, a community gets knocked down, you need the entire nation to rally in order to get back up quickly. And we just didn't have that. So, and then just a, a few months later, after that, we had Hurricane Delta and all the debris that was pushed into the, uh, the drainage systems. Well, all that rain that came from Hurricane Delta created a flood that hit so fast and landlocked to so many people to where we were having to do rescue operations to get them out. So I was with the Cajun Navy on those rescue operations. Yeah, I've heard about the Cajun Navy. I think it correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't it Katrina that kind of uh, when 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 they started, and now they've just been there for a disaster since. Yeah, and it's it's an interesting solution. That's actually going to be our second episode coming up. 
is crowdsourcing to respond to natural disasters. Yeah. You know, we see that the frequency and severity of natural disasters is increasing. Storms upon storms, hurricanes upon hurricanes throughout the country. And so there is nobody in this nation that's not going to be a recipient of one of these disasters at some point. And so how do you want the rest of the nation to respond when it's your turn? Mm-hmm. You know, that is the question. And so how do we mobilize if the government is slow to respond? The government's not capable of doing everything. Right. It's going to be on the communities and everybody just to connect and help out in some way because eventually it's going to be your turn too. Yep. Then people got to learn how to pull together for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, I guess that brings us to this next question. What would you like people to take away from your documentary? The average person, when they see your documentary, what is it you want them to take away from it? Um, I think it's that one, you're going to watch something today. You're going to, Uh, engage into some social media, you're going to be a part of these conversations. What we're doing is it's, it's apolitical. It's going towards good works. And just by watching, you're still making a difference, but you're also plugging into conversations that we need to have as a nation. How are we going to face these challenges and how can we support those who are on the front lines, you know, doing the work that's saving lives. So that way, whenever it's your community. And, and, and I think, the the big thing that that we want to show is that no matter what happens you know how bad stuff is going there's still hope yeah you know and and that's kind of the overall message is like the hurricane was terrible you know but what i what i saw i saw black people white people republicans democrats everybody just together helping there was one food line that we were on and they had guys who were working you know, minimum wage job serving food. The guy next to him is a general surgeon. Remember that? Yeah, everybody, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and he was there serving food too because it didn't matter how rich you were. There wasn't any food to eat. It's while the rest of the country was divided, you know, over October, uh, this, this community was united. Mm-hmm. And it was probably one of the very few areas where this nation was united. That's great. And people coming from all different kinds of races, backgrounds, and religions were able to come together for something greater than themselves and really support one another. Mm-hmm. And we were cut off from the news and everything else. And it was actually uh, enlightening because we got to see what this country could be again. And it was inspiring and it was beautiful. And so I think that's what outshines the disaster in this series. Like Hank is saying is the hope. And we want people to connect with that because I think we desperately need something like that right now. Absolutely. So, so Justin, like looking at this in so many ways, why are natural disasters still continuing in Louisiana, even though how they try to figure this out with Katrina? Why hasn't certain things been able to stop this flooding from happening based on specifically the location? So you guys continue to get hit. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all across the country like all these disasters are hitting in, in the frequency, the fires in California, mm-hmm. yeah. all along the, the Southeast coastline. If it's us today, it's going to be Florida tomorrow. And so we're trying to catch up with the infrastructure. I think the, the government is trying to catch up to this, but we're slow to receive the message that the frequency and severity are increasing. And we really, and that's an information problem. It's also sometimes a storytelling problem. You know, it gets lost, like like Hurricane Laura. 
we got lost in the news. Mm-hmm. Everybody mm-hmm. forgot about us. We had people calling. Uh, somebody called Hank and said, "Is there a fire going down there in Louisiana?" Yeah. I, I, <laughs> so yeah. I, so we're not communicating very well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, I'm I'm here in uh, in uh, in Lake Charles helping with the disaster, and my friend's like, "Was there a fire there too?" <laughs> yeah. I'm like, "No, man. No, we're drowning <laughs> here." And that's so so we're not having conversations about the things that are killing us two american towns were wiped off the map without even a whisper cameron was gone i remember we looked there was a road and the late and it was just yeah. a road with a bunch of debris on the side and one of the ladies said there were 55 houses on that street and now there weren't even this is an american community that was there for hundreds over 100 years yeah. and so it's weird and it's very odd that we're not having these conversations nationally but if a bit of drama you know, pops up, it's all going to be all over the airwaves. Exactly. So mm-hmm. we need to figure out how to have critical conversations, how to get this to the front stage. And the only way that we know how to do that is to humanize the stories, tell them as most powerful way that we can, and then get that out in front of the American public. But also we're trying to marry not just the message, but also the mission. So just by engaging in this conversation, you're also going to be making an impact for these organizations. So we're going to kill two birds with one stone, yeah, with do good. Awesome. I think I think most Americans would agree they would much rather see a lot more true, real, normal, everyday American stories like this. And what I mean by that is a lot less Hollywood, a lot less celebrityism, a lot less agenda pushing, um, and more tr- real honest to God, American stories. And I think you guys are doing what you're doing is phenomenal and long overdue. So thank you for that. Thank you thank very you. much. Thank you. Um, last question. So as Neil mentioned, I am a veteran and I wrote a book called Courageously Broken. And my story, <laughs> the purpose of sharing my story, I was diagnosed with PTSD in 2017. Um, and the purpose of me coming, going public with my story is because we're losing too many brothers and sisters to suicide. And I, I'm of the mentality of like, okay, we've been doing 22 push-ups and the awareness and it's great. And I asked myself, I'm like, all right, we're aware. We got it. We got a problem. Now what? So um, when I was trying to decide whether or not to go public with my story, someone that I know took his life. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, um, and I was the last person he talked to, I later found out. And that sucked because I had absolutely no idea um that he was in a bad place it was very sudden um so i thought you know what if and and a friend it was a close friend of mine that told me if i share my story i might could help somebody so i've decided that sharing my story my goal with it is to erase the stigma i speak from experience the reason i would not ask for help because i was i'm a crisis intervention trained officer i've been doing this for years i knew what would happen if I asked for help, or at least in my mind, I thought I knew what would happen. And the reason I wouldn't ask for help is because I didn't want to get locked up in the, in the mental hospital, right? So I was keeping it yeah. to myself. And that's what all veterans and first responders are afraid of. We just imagine going away in handcuffs and being locked up in the mental ward with some psychiatrist that has never served a day in his life and can't possibly understand what it is we're going through, right? That's what we all think. So, um, my goal is to erase the stigma of PTSD. What I want to know is what other ways do you think we can do this? Like my way was, was um, writing a book and sharing my story, but what other ideas do you guys have? I, I know 
for me, uh, and, and this is just from me talking to Justin, uh, it's, I try to show people what helped me instead of saying, Hey, this is what you need yeah. to do because that'll turn people off. You know, uh, I, I had some struggles and Justin's documented them. And the, the, it, you, I think the, the second video that goes up is, is this actually, Friday, this Friday is an interview with me and a music video, uh, and talking specifically about that. And that's all that I can do is, is tell you, this is what helped me. Yeah. Because when I start telling you, hey, this is what you need to do to fix that, I'm wrong right off the bat because it's different yeah. for everybody. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, what would you would you agree just talking, just talking in general with each other to let each other know we're not they're not alone. Yeah. The uh the the unit that was featured in No Greater Love, the first documentary that I did, was the most suicidal battalion in two thousand and nine. So when I got there on the second day on the job, we had a suicide. And then a week later, we had another, then a couple months later, another, then another. Also a suicidal ideation every single week for the first six months. So to turn that around, I just circled up with the senior NCOs. We started talking about, well, what's not working and, and what could work. Right. What we developed was just simply sitting down with each platoon, everybody taking off the rank and talking and, and finally connecting and actually talking about what is this stigma that we're dealing with. What, what is preventing you from coming forward and how can we, if we're willing to run through bullets and bombs to try to save a person's life and maybe right. be willing to die for one another, what are we willing to do here as we're losing people? Well, that program, we wound up deploying. We had a very traumatic deployment. We did the program before that, deployed, did the program during the deployment. When we were coming back because we had so many casualties, and so much combat trauma, people thought that we we're going to have more suicides, but instead we had a 70% reduction in suicidal ideations and zero suicides. So the thing, if I was to simplify what I've seen work, what I've quantifiably seen work is friendship, the ability to openly communicate and purpose. And veterans coming home have to realize that this nation is falling apart. They yeah. have to mobilize. This is the next chapter. You raise your right hand. You don't get to quit just because your service with the military is done. You still have to come back and rebuild this thing. Exactly. Fix it. Connect with your next purpose. And you have to connect with your brothers and sisters and, and help each other into that next stage as well. So it, the solution to this country is also the same solution to the veteran suicides. Mm -hmm. It's reconnecting with our purpose. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Very yeah. well said. Well, I want to thank everyone for their service, not just you guys, but also Donna as well and all the veterans that are listening to this. And I think that the power is we have to give them a purpose when they come home and understand what they've gone through to protect us. You guys have protected us so that we can be free. And that's the understanding thing that's missing. Just like in the, at the end of the Vietnam War, people forgot that. They didn't understand this is important. Our military is important. We have to continue to honor our military the best we can at all times. And I appreciate what you guys are doing. Where can we check out the, again, the docu-series? Where is it located? Yeah, so yeah. We, we are up on YouTube. You just have to search for Do Good. And uh, we are now rising in the ranks, slowly but surely. Uh, okay. it's just It just came out. So please uh, go to YouTube. Uh, YouTube and Facebook watch the, their mm -hmm. Facebook is running the episodes as well. Oh, it's a do good Ar search for us on Facebook at do good army. You'll see our smiling mugs in the profile. Yeah, they're, they're ugly, but they're happy. And uh, <laughs> so also to join us and stay connected. Facebook is also a great place. 
uh, to find out what is the latest thing that's going on. We're going to be releasing episodes pretty regularly and uh, going out there and doing good. Absolutely. And the best way for people to do is they can help you out by donating, right? Tell us about that too. Well, and so that's the thing is like, uh, we, we just push the donation straight over to those charities. So just by watching and sharing, you're going to be helping to raise funds that's and great. support for the charities that we're featuring. And then if you would like to donate directly to those charities, we're putting links there as well. And so we're just telling the story and trying to help connect the audience to the people who are making a difference. And you can find out where we're at at Do Good Army at Facebook. So, Justin, also, are you, where is your first uh, docuseries you did? Where can you, people find that? So you can go to Amazon Prime, and that film was called No Greater Love. Excellent and, movie. And it was, uh, I was with the 101st, and uh, it just shows the, the Ford operations, but tells the story of the people that I served with. And I also don't want to forget that his band, Three Beards, you can find them also on Facebook. Spotify and Spandora, yeah. where you can stream music. Yeah. Well, I hope to see you guys in Clubhouse. If you're not on Clubhouse yet, do you both have iPhones? I, I do. I do. Well, I've seen three birds. Yeah. I've seen three beards. I want to say I'm already following you. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate you guys. Stay, stay off. Stay on after this interview for a second. We connect offline. But I appreciate everyone. And what a great first. Courageously Broken and Donna, we're, we can get your book by just Googling Courageously Broken, right? comes out. That's everywhere. Right. It's available everywhere. You just Google Courageously Broken or D.A. Michaels, even though we're calling you Donna now, but all those things. But again, this is just the beginning. Make sure you like and share this because everybody needs to help others, especially during this hard time. Our country's divided. Let's keep helping each other. So I appreciate everyone taking uh, stopping by. Right on. All right. Great. Yeah. All right, guys. Take care. That was Courageously Broken. See you guys. Neil Haley here. Lensec has been a sponsor of the Neil Haley Show and Total Media Network for around a year and a half. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about Lensec. Lensec has been a pioneer in IP security videos since 1998. The company is a trusted security partner with experience around the world. Lensec has experience working with customers in higher education, K-12 education, government, public safety, critical infrastructure, healthcare, commercial, and more. The physical security experts at Lensec help customers develop enterprise solutions for their complex physical security projects using our flagship software, Perspective VMS. Lensec's enterprise-level video management software, Perspective VMS, is a browser-based software that streams and captures IP security camera video. The latest version of PVMS uses HTML5 interactive features in a thin client application that is designed to provide real-time situational awareness. Access control and other advanced features are integrated into a unified security platform, creating an ability to track behavior and movement while monitoring the live or recorded video. For more information, please visit Lensec.com. And now back to the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Neil Haley Show's Stefan Devereaux Celebrity Segment. I'm excited to welcome the program, Stefan Devereaux. That's Stephon, me. what's up, my man? What's going on? Look, Bro. I've been off. And Bro, I know, you, man. You, not me off. I'm, you know, I'm interviewing. You're always today. working, man. You're the now, hardest now, working now man you, in the media. Now you can talk about Clubhouse. <laughs> if you counted those as 
podcasts that were never recorded. I'm hosting every day, 24 seven. I'm never off the air, which is wild, but it's fun. Well, I and, listen to uh, Clubhouse for my YouTube channel, so I hear all the recordings from Clubhouse. I'm just saying. But anyway, the only ones that are recording, even though we don't know, and this is the thing, we don't know honestly if people are recording us when they're in the rooms on their devices, because yeah. all they have to do is hook up, hook up to a roadcaster and they're recording. Yep. So you gotta watch out what you say. That's for yep. sure. All right, Stefan, who's our guest today? Man, I want to introduce. A dude that I, I'm gonna say, you know, he's an incredible dude because for a few reasons, but we'll get into that in the interview. But my man Sergio Silvestre, my man, certified <laughs> gold, certified gold artist here. You know what I'm saying? All the way from Italy. You know what I'm saying? No lie, no lie. Come on, man. What's up, man? How you doing, bro? I'm good. I'm doing great, you guys. I, I mean, I'm so stoked to be here. I'm really happy because actually, this is like one of my first. Um, I mean, fully English. I mean, usually I, I work. So basically, I, I'm, I I live in Italy. I do music in Italy. So who does who doesn't know me? You know, um, I, oh, so I grew you're, up. So in, you're a rock star in Italy. Yeah. Before hold on, before he gets there though, before he gets to to the the rock star, let me get to the. <laughs> I got a very important question here. Are yeah, you course. really six ten? I'm six eight. I'm six eight. Six ten. Okay, okay, six ten. Yeah, because I was going to say, hold on now, Neil. We we might have something here. Have you ever thought about becoming a professional wrestler? No, not, I mean, I mean, I'm, when I was younger, when I was a kid, I used to watch WWF and turn to WWE. And like, I, I kid you not, my dad probably is like first paycheck of the month would always go to like the windows because my brother was big as heck. My brother's huge too, so he would. We would always like. We would slam each other through the windows, and every month in the beginning of the month, because that's when like the, like we would get to, like like able to focus on the show, we would just bust all the windows. So I mean, yeah, I mean, when I was younger, I probably would have thought about it, but no, nah, no, nah, too. I used to I used to play football in uh, high school and college, and then uh, yeah, and so then my life turned into a whole different thing. But yeah. <laughs> I gotta take you. What do you mean played football yeah. in high school and college? Where'd you play college football? Uh, well, first I went to, um, I went to Crispy. I, I grew up in Inglewood, California. Uh, I went to St. Bernard High School. Then I, I then I transferred to Crispy Cormorant High School. Then um, my life is a little weird. It's, <laughs> I, so then I went to like UNM first, and I played played a little bit there. But um, then uh, I went. I, I didn't like I didn't like being so far from home. So I went back to LA. So I was at West LA and UCLA um doing that but then i tore my knee like I, I destroyed my knee like in a horrible incident um during practice and it, it just ended like my football career so, so, so you were at university of maryland d1 playing college football no you, you university of mexico of oh, mexico well still that's d1 right yeah 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 and then yeah, so then you yeah. then you went in the whole thing of the last chance you then right you went back yeah i mean I, I did the whole like i did the whole process of where like i was just trying to just like you know really trying to pursue my, my, my career in football. And because that's all I did. I mean, when I grew up, that's, that's I was, I played a football, basketball and volleyball in high school. And so, um, but football was not my main focus. And uh, it was always something that I was really passionate about, but unfortunately, you know, when the ball, like when you get injured, like it's, it's, it, it's right. unfortunate, so, but so you know, you life goes on. Said, so you went to a community college out in LA, I was just thinking of the whole last chance you thing. You watched that on Netflix? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I went to, I went to, because when I had, when I transferred back, because I went to UNM, so then I transferred back to, um, I want to go back home. 
I had enough credit to go to UCLA, but like with the money wise and financially, you know, uh, being, um, uh, let's say uh, my dad used to always work so hard, but he, he supported my brother, he supported my sister in college. So myself, I always like, was like the kid that didn't want like my dad to help out so much. So like, so I did like the whole like backtracking. So got job, worked uh, at, um, worked the minimum wage job, uh, went to college, went, went to school and then uh, went to UCLA. It was just like, it's just like a whole bunch of uh, stuff. Yeah. What led you into music then? I mean, were you, uh, I mean, what that's, you? that's the interest. That's the interesting part. All right. So let me tell you about my background story. So basically um, I used to also do choir when I was younger. I used to do choir. I used to, I used to be like, you know, the kid that <laughs> I was a big old, I was the jolly giant. They used to always say, and I used to always love to, um, um, do what I felt best, you know, I'm like, I love sports, but music was always something that I really loved, but it got to a point where, um, I couldn't do both. So I had to choose. So, you know, being this huge, big guy, six, eight, three sixty pounds, you know, I was like, yeah. all right, let's just focus on football. Um, the incident happened where I, I had the incident with my knee and it stopped me from pursuing my football career. And so, uh, my dad like saw me, I was really depressed. I was 20, I was 20 years old. And he was like, you know, life is so much more than just sports. You know, there's so much to it. And um, being Haitian, being a Haitian American, because he was he, he grew up in Haiti and then moved to with his own with his own strength and will moved to America, became a doctor. Like he was like, you know, just travel because life has so much more to offer. And um, he gave me a ticket to to wherever I wanted. He was like, you know, choose where you want to go, just travel, just get out of your head. Like you shouldn't be like depressed about something so simple because you're so young, you have so much ahead of you. And I was like, you know, I took, I, I took his advice, you know, and I basically took uh, a trip to Italy, but I didn't want to do that. Like, I'm not the kind of person like to do like a popular thing. Like, I don't like going to places where it's like, oh, the mainstream, like Rome, Milan. I didn't want to do that. I want to do a little something different. So I went online checked online and i saw um puglia and salento it's a part of italy where it's really beautiful has amazing amazing beaches so that's what i did i got a ticket flew out there didn't know a lick of italian oh, <laughs> i just wow. went out there with like you know just uh just curiosity and um i met a couple of amazing friends of mine and um basically they're like so what happened was i got to the hotel didn't know any italian i asked the stewardess i was like can you please i asked the, I asked the, uh, the receptionist can you like have me like introduce someone that speaks english with me like exactly. show me around so she um had a friend that also worked in radio um and he did music and um, yeah, he showed me around the, the city, Lecce, Gallipoli, uh, showed me the beaches. And he actually took me one day to his work, which was um, in the summer. And basically they had like Coachella at the beach. So imagine Coachella on a beach. So this is like a music oh. festival at a beach. Yes. It's amazing, hot weather, there's alcohol. I was, I was 20, so um the legal age there to drink was uh 18 so i was just living it um i was really like you know i was i was i, was, I had a little bit of liquid courage my friend was working at the um because he was a vocalist he was working at his at this venue and there was like this beat playing on there was this beat playing on and like you know growing up from inglewood i'm used to having like my friends would do like a little beatboxing so like like a lot of freestyle and stuff and so like this beat was going on like this house beat was going on i was just going just singing like, like just having fun my friend sees me on the corner he's like okay 
I was like, he like passed with the mic. And so like, I was like, you know, in my head, I was young, had nothing to lose. No one knows me. So I was like, let's go. <laughs> so I just started singing. I just started going at it. And like the people just like blew up. They just like love like my energy. They just love like, like, you know, I was just a little different. I was a big old dude with this like voice, just like, <laughs> and um, the owner of the place loved it. He was like, come back the next day. And that's what I did came back a couple more times and he was like, you know, you have a great voice. Um, he was like, I really would like you to come back next year and um, be our vocalist, our singer for the season. So basically they, they're open for the summer and during the summer they have like these like festivals and everything. So I was really excited. So what I did was I went back to LA. Um, I took a uh, vocal lessons from this amazing instructor called Lydia Mouton. She basically helped me to understand who is Sergio, you know, who like, like everyone has an instrument, right. you know, like the voice is an instrument. And she like helped me understand what was my instrument and not to be afraid because I was, I was really shy. I was really insecure because when you play football and when you do music, it's two different things. When you, when you play football, you have a mask on, exactly. you have a helmet. Yeah. It's like, it's like a shield. It protects you. So with music and singing in front of a live crowd, it's a whole different ball game. Like you're like complete, like it almost feels like you're nude, you know? So she helped me understand who I was. So I went back to Italy, had all her courage, all the strength, you know, all the good, good energy that she gave me, all the lessons that I taught. And um, basically I, I did a, I did a song and my friends po posted on, um, on YouTube and it went viral. So uh <laughs> one thing led to another and basically x factor italy called me to do um an audition so i went did the audition and um basically told me sergio you're really good and i was like oh great you know they're like wait wait, wait hold on you're too good i was like what <laughs> i was like wait excuse me i was like and this is the executive producer because before you go on the show you have to like go to the producers and then you go on the live stage. And I was just so shocked because I was like, what do you mean I'm too good? She's like, he just basically said, you know, like you have, you're, you're big, um, which in Italy, it's, it's, it's not common to see this big old black dude. You know, it, it just doesn't exist. Yeah, you stand so you're big, definitely. black, you, um, you have a good voice uh, and you have a good story. And it's like, you're, you would win this easily. And I was like, give me a chance. I, was like, I, I felt really, I, I felt, for the first time in life, I was like, how is that possible? Like, you're too good to, to do something. like So, my like, my, my spirits was a little bit crushed. It was okay. My friends, you know, they're like, don't worry. Things are going to get better. Um, a month later, I got called by this um, TV show called Amici, which is like X Factor, The Voice, Big Brother put it all together. And... Um, I, I, when they called me, they first said, you know, like come to audition. But honestly, when, when they, when they called me, I felt really like, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't know, sh I didn't know if I wanted to do that like process again. Like, you know, once you get rejected, like, yeah. I, like I was already, I like, I went to Italy just to find myself, you know, to like, to have this new life. Like I didn't want, until being rejected already once, you know, I like, I was like, mm, I don't know if I want to. And they were like, you know what? Just come try it. It's an experience. Like I feel, I think you would enjoy it. So I, I, I had the courage to go on. Went on the show. Nine months later, because a nine month show, uh, I, I won. I won the competition. I won a. Uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> what year was this? 
This was in 2016. Wow. So five years ago, somewhat. Yeah. Yeah. So you awesome. knew that Italy's going to be your home after that, right? What happened? You know Italy's going to be your home after winning that, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been living, I've been, I've been living here and join. I mean, uh, it, it winning the show opened up so many horizons for me. Like for someone that's you know grew up in 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 uh, I don't know, I, I would say like in a in a situation where like sometimes you, you don't. I wouldn't say there's no hope for us young. No, black, no, man, you were man, like, speak, man, speak I, that, speak that. <laughs> well, I mean, like. I feel like when when you have so many like because I'm I'm a huge stereotype like if mm-hmm. someone looks at, like the thing was when when I walk down the street like I'm I'm always smiling like I'm always smiling because my dad was always like someone that like he he had that Haitian island vibe you know like all like always cheerful you know and he always said you know what whatever life gives you just smile you know no matter how many times like you get slapped in the face you just gotta keep smiling and I'm just like that but. The thing was, like, when growing up in Inglewood and growing up in, in, in a society where, first and foremost, my mom is Mexican. Like, she, if you look at her, she looks like she's, she's Mexican and Spanish. She's brown haired, white skin. Like, she doesn't, I don't look nothing like her, you know? And my dad's black. <laughs> uh, so growing up in a society where already by, by like, my community, like, they, like, they, I was never understood, you know what I mean? Like, I always had some, like, people didn't really understand who I was or, like, well, so it was just a lot, a lot of things all at once, you know, being big, being Black, being uh, mixed race, being in a society where, like, you know, I went to, when I, I remember when I went, to, I went to school, I went walking to school sometimes when I was 13, 14 years old, and I'll get pulled over by the cops for nothing, because maybe I was wearing my hoodie, and, like, wow. I went to Catholic, I went to all Catholic school, and our main color was blue, and I oh, kid you man. not, I used to live, oh, man. I, I used to live, I, <laughs> right. I used to live in a, um, but I don't, I, it's not that I don't use, I don't still live there, my family, growing up in Inglewood, it's mainly that zone was a blood. Like, I mean, like, I'm just I'm speaking facts. So like, I would usually have to put my, like my, my school uniform, crumble it up, put it in my backpack, go to school with like a white shirt. And then there was a period where you can't even wear white shirts. So yeah. <laughs> I kid you not. Like, I feel like every day walking out in the streets was like, yes. like a battle. You know what I mean? Exactly. Wow. And, and so, and, and let, stuff on go ahead next i'll be just kind of summarizing and then going right to stuff on i mean what an amazing experience for you to win this and then turn your life on and become a a star in italy because of this show but stefan go with your next question no my thing was um you know you had an injury at the time and you thought your life was over you thought everything that you worked hard for was over and your dad an amazing person that's what i, I just want to call your yeah. dad an amazing person because he believed in you enough to say son here yeah go find yourself don't worry we, yeah. we, we got this and you went yeah. to italy a totally different country other side of the world and you found yourself and now look at you now bro i mean that is incredible <laughs> that is incredible i mean i mean i honestly like i my dad like he passed away three years ago from oh. um but he's like my angel like he he's he's I'm I'm a spinning mirror uh, uh, image of him because you know everything that all the lessons he taught me like right. it just 
it just helps me now. And like, I'm, I feel so lucky because, you know, um, I had a father that cared enough to say, son, like, you know, do your thing. Like, I got you. And that's, that's not easy to come by, you know, that's, and, and I'm, I'm so grateful exactly. because about him, I honestly don't know what I would be doing right now for life because when you're so young, like the thing is like, you know, being 20 years old, like, you know, um, right. The, the, the prosperities of being a young black man in America, exactly. uh, I mean, it's not that high. I mean, just look at the, the, the statistics of everything. You know, you have everything going against you. And it's not about playing the victim or anything. It's just facts. Facts are facts. You know what I mean? So, like, also moving here um, in Italy, like, it helped me be comfortable with my size because, you know what I mean? Like, when I when I walk around the streets, even before I was famous, like here in Italy, when I walk around the streets, people were like seem like, wow, amazing. Like when when I walked back home, it wasn't like that. Like people were petrified, like you know, just right. terrified, you know, like like this huge big black dude coming in. Like it was always that feeling. And it's like it gets demoralizing. It, it gets it just it just feels like dude, right, exactly. like I'm the I'm a human being. Like my skin color, my size shouldn't matter. No, nobody. I mean, so, I, yeah, so what, what the heck? Yeah, so Sergio, let's talk about and you know you talk about the opportunity you made it you did it what it what did it lead to once you won the show wow um it led to so many things um say for like i can name so many things like um i got a signing contract with i got a recording contract with uh sony music italy um then i sang in front of the pope uh i was able to do three uh of three albums of mine it's like it, it just I, I traveled around like all of europe touring with my music like uh it, it's been it's been it's been a like a movie like it's been it's been a trip out of all of that was the most amazing experience for you to be honest coming back home and having my dad singing my songs that's uh, man that is incredible wow. That's incredible. So, like Sergio, I'll, never, yeah. Yeah, I'll come back home and like he'll be in the garden because he loved the garden. My dad was like, he just loved, he just loved plants, love that, he loved, love nature, love animals. I just come back home and like he'd be blasting, like mom, like blasting like my music. And my mom would be like, I love you, Sergio, but your father every day at 6 a.m. <laughs> the great. whole morning, just blasting. And that was honestly having him. I mean, I, 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 I'll tell you, like, I've performed in front of thousands of people and I've done, like, CD signings. And so I did, I've done so much. Like, I can't even, like, make a list. But the most important thing for me and the special, the most special, I mean, the, yes, what I cherish the most is just having him enjoy, like, what I create, you know? Yeah. So let's kind of go into, again, how you speak fluent Italian. How long did that take you? <laughs> yeah. I, okay. So here's here's the thing, um, uh, I grew up in a household where my mom spoke Spanish, my dad spoke English and French, and so it was just like a mixture of everything. You know, there was a little bit of slang here, a little bit of this. So having but having Spanish, um, luckily it's from my mom, like teaching me Spanish when. I finally, because the thing is, when I, when I moved to Italy, I didn't know any Italian, but I made great friends and 
thankfully to my friend Fabio, like he was always like my translator, but it got to a point where we were like all sitting. I remember, I'll never forget this. We're all sitting at my friend's house, Max, Max Bacano. We were having dinner and they were just going at it. They were just talking, having fun. And I was like looking at them and I just felt like so out of it. I mean, I felt bad because I had to, every once in a while I had to tell Fabio, oh, can you translate, can you translate, can you translate? And it got to a point where I was like, no, I'm done. Like, I don't want to ask to translate. So what I did, I started watching every single movie that I can think of that I know from like from the beginning to the end, like because I know the story. I would watch it in Italian with the English with English subtitles. Ooh. And like I would I would just yeah, dude. I would, <laughs> I would then what what I would do then, I would pick phrases and memorize them, and then like you know. Like it was like a puzzle. Like it's it, it's it's kind of hard. It's I'm, it was weird how I, I I taught myself Italian doing that, watching films, listening to music, um, but always wow. with like subtitles or like you know what I mean. It, it was intense. It was it was crazy. Yeah, there's two <laughs> shows when I worked overseas in Germany and in Canada in French Canadian French Canada that was uh-huh. the nanny. And the Simpsons were on always uh-huh. in another language. So that's uh-huh. the funny uh-huh. thing about it is watching the nanny in French and then German. It's kind of uh-huh. surreal. <laughs> the nanny on in Italy. Because you know how they pick these yeah. American shows and then just play them. Yeah. yeah. Man. You Man, know, it's me. crazy. Uh, and I've it's... interviewed Fran Drescher. That's yeah. the wild yeah. thing. Oh, really? I interviewed yeah. Fran Dresser. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I think that's major celebrities. Yeah, yeah, he just did for Fran Dresser not too long ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a couple months ago. Yeah. But I thought that's that I amazing. didn't, I should have, I wish I had the time to tell that story because I'm interviewing a quick interview. So let's, Stefan, go to the next question. But oh, no, I want to talk about his new single, Safe, man. Woo. Hey. Yeah. Right. <laughs> when I started, when I started doing my research, okay, you already had uh-huh. me. At, you had me at no goodbye. All right, you had me there. <laughs> no goodbye. Now I'm, I'm feeling no goodbye. But safe. Okay, so uh, you collaborated with Miss Ivana Lola. Ivana Lola. Yeah, she's yeah. my. Home. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about this backstory. So basically, um, I wrote this song with her, Roberto Zincone, um, two about two years ago. And, you know, when we first recorded it, like, we were just, like, in the studio, we were just, like, you know, just vibing, just having a good time. And we, we, put, we put the song to the side, you know, because, like, I had my project, she had her project, and I was living in Milan at, the peri- at that, that time period, and she was back in L.A. And um, basically, COVID happened and just, like, switched everything. I mean, I, for, for you guys, I know, for us here in Italy, it really just destroyed the, the economy oh, yeah. the people like the everything everything so basically um i i got got touch with her she 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 was back in la so she moved back home to here in naples with her family and we met up again we were just we had another like so basically this was after like the whole the, our first lockdown because now we're on a right. third lockdown yeah <laughs> right oh goodness <laughs> so after the first lockdown we 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 got re in touch we saw each other we had a good like one night we, we started playing music like in our house like she's like it if you think of like a typical Italian like evening where just food and music, that's basically what it was. Mm-hmm. And we were just jamming, having a good time. Making me hungry. And you know, we started playing, we started playing like, you know, a little bit of our like like our demos yeah, well, that and stuff. Italian stuff on. 
Yeah. And um, we started playing, we started playing safe. And we're just like, we both looked at each other and we're like, boo, like, this is the perfect time to like have this song come out because I mean, it's just the message to it. I mean, it's, it's saying like, to not give up to like right, exactly. keep going it's it's it like life life is life is it is what it is like and no matter like if it's love what you're fighting for if it's um if it's you know your career it's always a battle so um when we when we created the song and when we, when we wrote it i think we didn't realize that it was so perfect for this this time right now and i feel like the song gives so much like good energy and i feel like right. this is what people really need at this moment like good lyrics good good rhythm and you know her voice is amazing she's amazing and um it mixes wow. it our voices mix in very well yeah, so i does. mean i i i really like every, all the listeners to go check it out because it's it's a project that i i care about so much and we care about so much and we exactly. put so much heart and effort to it because you know we had to also record the video with like all the COVID restrictions because here yeah. in Italy, there's curfew. <laughs> you oh, have to busy. have like, so, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. So when we had to do all like all the steps to, to get the song out, it was so hard, but I mean, we got it out there and I hope, uh, I hope the yeah. world enjoys it. Yeah, So I think it's fantastic. And, you know, and the whole process now you're trying to go global, like you're a big star yeah. in Italy. How do you yeah. think you're gonna crack into the US? What is your thoughts on that? To try to get um I feel like I feel like anything's possible. I'm I'm not the best, but I know what I give, what mm-hmm. my music is something that can can be a uh um uh like um like a tornado. I feel like it can just like I like to give off good energy, I like to give off positive vibes, I like to give what what is missing right. right now and i feel like the music that i'm putting out is all that in one you know That's so great. i feel like um it would be it would be a pleasure it would be amazing to 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 make it also back home where i'm from but i'm happy from what i'm doing and i'm, I'm just hoping that I can always give out exactly. more to the community mm-hmm. give out more to 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 my fans and, all, and, and in general i just want to do good music because i feel like in this day and age What's important is good music, good energy, and that's all we can do at the moment. Yeah, come on, let's, let's all right, on. Stefan. So, what's your what's your last question you have for Sergio? Well, first, I'll say that, um, your dad put that in you because I can I can hear it in you know the vibes. You're, you, <laughs> Thank you. I've never met your father, but I'm pretty sure I'm meeting him wow. a little bit right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Thank you. So, are you going to do another Christmas album? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I. I did the whole Christmas album because like, I was just, I love Christmas. My, um, well, unfortunately the last couple of years, I always had to like work on Christmas. So I never got to spend with my family, but I wanted to give a gift to them. Cause I know my dad loved, my dad's favorite song is over the rainbow. I know that has, doesn't and yeah, because anything. I was going to ask you, how did you, work? <laughs> okay, but no, I get it now. I get it. <laughs> I got you. So basically, so basically, all right. So let me, let me tell you the, the Christmas album. So when I did the Christmas album, it was a big surprise. I didn't tell no one. I didn't tell my family. My mom loves Christmas. Everyone in my family loves Christmas. And so I wanted to give him this gift, you know? So one of my, one of my albums in my contract with Sony was, you know, um, I had an empty space because I had my EP, which was Big Boy, 
my 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 first album, which is entitled Sergio Sylvester. And then I had my last album with, with Sony. Um, and I wanted to give that gift to them, you know, because they give me so much. And even when I was younger, right. like Christmas was so important. So I created Big Christmas. That's the title of uh, yes. the, um, the Christmas album. And but I know my dad loves Over the Rainbow. Like he would always whistle it, always sing it. And so I tried to give the magic of Over the Rainbow and a Christmas That's theme. Great. So yeah, go check it out. It's it's it's, it's, it's hey, so I dedicated that song to my dad because That's I know great. how much he loved it. And so uh, it's a it's a really emotional. It's a really emotional. Uh, so where is song. the best place we can connect with Sergio? Where can we go? Excuse me. What music and all that? Where can we connect with you? Is it, just get check out all your music and stuff. Where can we um, you guys can check me out on my uh, my YouTube page, uh, Sergio Sylvester, Spotify, Bevo, I think it's called, or you can go on my Instagram, which is Sergio Sylvester official, official, <laughs> or um, on Twitter, I'm Sergio. You guys just search me on Sergio Sylvester, and you'll you'll find me. I'm big and black. You'll you'll, you'll see okay. this big huge dude. Somewhere. Fantastic. <laughs> So we appreciate you stopping by, Sergio. Awesome. Best of luck. Please come back. Thank you, guys. And it update us. So, do you sing any of your music in Italian? I never asked that. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, of course. Um, I actually went to Sanremo, which is like Eurovision. It's a basically it's an Italian um, music festival, and um, one of my songs that I, I went to the competition was called Conte, and that's online on YouTube. It's actually one of the most viewed songs on um, my YouTube channel because I mean Italians love Italian, so I got I got to give them some Italian. So I was yes. like, if I got to give them some, some Italian, I got to give them some soul. So it's a very emotional uh, song as well. It's, it's a good video. Soul, so baby, go check exactly. it out. <laughs> All right, well, appreciate it. We appreciate it, Sergio. Definitely come back. Thank and you thank guys. You for thank you. Take we care, guys. Thank you guys. All right, Have see a great you guys. Day. That, all right, that was the stuff on Devereaux Celebrity Segment. Take care. Celebrity slots. Free spin. Free to play mobile social slot games in the likeness of your favorite celebrities. Making money. Spin to win celebrity experiences through sweepstakes. Free to download. Free to play. Yeah, baby. What are you waiting for? Win meet and greets, celebrity merchandise, gift cards, and more. Download Celebrity Slots today. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.